Hey, what's up? This is Gary Owen. You're listening to PF Tape Recorder. That's PF. I know it sounds like TS. I know it sounds like PS. I know it sounds like TS, but it's PF, as in PF Changs without the Changs. It's PF Tape Recorder. And if you're listening to it, that means you're listening to me, and that's normally a good thing. my tape recorder. Coming up, comedian Daryl Joyce gives us some insight into his thought process when it comes to solving the world's problems. Yeah, that comes from cynicism. That's, that's how I come to my conclusions. I just, tap, well, I just tap into my cynical side and how it should be done. We also put in a call to Vice President Biden, who's currently in the country of Turkey. And we also have a new feature. It's Facebook, not Factbook. But first, as always, fake news. <laughs> Now, fake news with me. This past week, Congress let expire a five-year-old ban on the slaughtering of horses for human consumption by quietly passing H.R. 2112, which President Obama signed into law. The vote wasn't particularly close in the House, with 298 representatives voting yes and 121 voting nay. An Atlanta businesswoman said last week she and Republican presidential candidate Herman Cain had a 13-year extramarital affair that ended right before Cain announced his presidential campaign. Upon hearing the accusation, Cain took time to reassess his campaign. In particular, he wanted to reassess how many more women might come forward with such allegations. Oh, and did you see this? Uh, this is actually from the real story. In a statement to the Atlanta station that, that the woman uh, went to with the story, Kane's attorney, named Mr. Wood, called, <laughs> ironically, called White's de- uh, depiction of her relationship with Kane, quote, private, alleged consensual conduct between adults, unquote, and, quote, not a, pro- uh, not a proper subject of inquiry by the media or the public. This is not an accusation of harassment in the workplace. This is not an, an accusation of assault, which are subject matters for legitimate inquiry to a political candidate, he said. So that's certainly not a very strong denial, is it? Uh, Next story. The Mars Curiosity rover was launched earlier this week and is headed to the Red Planet. Curiosity's mission is to find out if conditions were ever favorable for the formation of life on Mars. A follow-up probe will determine if those life forms experimented with same-sex relationships. That probe to be launched next year is the Mars by Curiosity rover. A church in Pike County, Kentucky voted to ban interracial couples from becoming church members after Stella Harville and her fiancé, Tika Chikuni, sang a song during a visit to the church over the summer. The pastor at the church now says that the decision is unlikely to stand. The new policy bans interracial couples from attending services, wedding ceremonies, and record burnings. And another true clip here from the story uh, said the, the guy that got the ban passed at the church. I'm not a racist, I'll tell you that. So as soon as somebody says that, ding, the, the siren should go off and go, yeah, you're a racist. Okay, thank you. And finally, a posse hopes to soon catch Waldo, a bull that escaped from a farm in July and has been on the loose in the coastal city of Milford, Connecticut which I don't think is anywhere near the coast. I think it's actually outside of Hartford. Anyway, the Connecticut Post reports that an attempt to corral the 700-pound Waldo failed November 20th. In the next few weeks, officials will try again. You'd think it would be easy, said one state wildlife official, finding a bull with a striped red hat and a striped red shirt, but once he's out there with all those people and buildings and stuff, it's really difficult. And that's been Fake News with me. Vice President Biden is in Turkey currently speaking to leaders there about what to do about the situation in Syria. And uh, I got a hold of a number here. I don't know if this is going to work, but let me see. Oh, uh, hello? Vice President Biden? 
Oh, uh, yes? P.F. Wilson from P.F.'s Tape Recorder Comedy Podcast. Oh, hello, P.F. I'm a big fan of the podcast. Really? Uh, no, you have to say things like that uh, in politics, P.F. Hmm, bummer. Well, you're in Istanbul, I understand. Uh, yes, P.F., I am standing in the heart of one of the most interesting cities in the world, Istanbul, Turkey, a city where uh, Europe meets Asia, where Christianity rubs shoulders with Islam, and a city steeped in religious history, but also devoutly secular in its politics. Uh, a city where... Whoa, 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 Vice President, I, I don't want to... I didn't call uh, Senator Kerry. Oh, sorry, P.F. Now, uh, Mr. Vice President, I know you're a student of history, at least uh, for the purposes of this bit. Can you tell us a little more about Istanbul's fascinating history? Uh, well, P.F., uh, Istanbul was Constantinople, but uh, now, of course, it's uh, Istanbul and not Constantinople. In fact, it's been a long time gone for Constantinople. Now, it can best be described as uh, a Turkish delight on a moonlit night, if you will. And what about the people? Uh, some fascinating folks have been through that city over the centuries. Uh, does anyone still refer to it as Constantinople? Uh, P.F., every gal in Constantinople lives in Istanbul and, and not Constantinople. So if uh, a young man were to have a date in Constantinople, the young lady would be, in fact, waiting in Istanbul. I see. Uh, now, this isn't the only case of a city changing its name in the history of the world. Uh, no, P.F., in fact, uh, even old New York was once called New Amsterdam. And why did they change it? Well, I can't say, Pia, but historians mostly agree that people just liked it better that way. Okay, well, let's get back to Constantinople. Uh, you can't get back to Constantinople, P.F., because it's Istanbul, it's not Constantinople. Yes, but uh, why did Constantinople get the works, then, as they say? Well, P.F., there's much speculation, but really, as a diplomat, I must say that it's uh, nobody's business but the Turks. Well, thank you, Mr. Vice President. Reporting from Istanbul, not Constantinople. And thanks to Marvin the Martian, I mean, uh, Vice President Biden for joining us. Um, that's, that's more on me. That's not on the Vice President. That's, that, that's on my hideous impression. Uh, for joining us from Istanbul, Turkey. Well, uh, it is time now for the big interview. And uh, Daryl Joyce is a comedian from Columbus, Ohio. He uh, is all over the world in clubs, theaters. He does uh, a lot of cruise ships, um, which he finds himself very bored on, by the way. But uh, doing more clubs these days, he's going to be in Cincinnati at the Funny Bone in Newport on the Levee, uh, December 8th through December 11th. And uh, we had a chance to talk to Daryl before he arrived here in the Queen City. Here's our talk with Daryl. Okay, joining us on PF's Tape Recorder, it's comedian Daryl Joyce. Daryl, how you doing? I'm doing fantastic, man. How you doing? Cool, cool. Uh, been about a year since we uh, last spoke and you were uh, in Cincinnati. Um, what yeah, you been, it's been a while. What you been up to since, man? What's new with you? I'm sorry, say again? What's new with you? You know what? Ain't nothing really new with me, man. I'm doing the same thing, doing stand-up, traveling, flying, not wanting to fly, <laughs> working, And uh anything. I know you were, uh, you've always been big on the relationships, and uh, you've written, was it two or three books? I can't even remember now. Three. I wrote three books. Three yeah. books. Okay. Uh, working on any other ones? or? Uh... I am not. You know what? I no longer care. <laughs> <laughs> if people can't figure it out, they can't figure it out. I don't care no more. Huh. You know, as long as I get mine together, the rest of the world can suffer. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I think if three books didn't do it, then people probably aren't going to, aren't ever going to learn. <clears throat> Yeah, I think what it is is when you read something that's supposed to be objective and all you can do is take it personally, one, you should stop reading. Huh. 
And two, you should just go ahead and accept that you have issues that nobody can uh, nobody can help fix. Uh, but the books are still available, aren't they? They are still available. Yeah, I just haven't written anymore. You know, because I think the, there's a lot of frustration with the whole uh, self-help genre thing. You know, because you start to try to help people, and then they really take everything you say personal, or they assume it's trying to like break them down. You know, yeah, whatever. Yeah. So you just get tired of talking about it, and you move on. Because like I used to do a lot of radio interviews and. People would just call in with so much animosity because, like, you know, when you say something that's actually factual or true and somebody, you know, like, when they read it, they see it within themselves, they, they take it as a personal attack versus just seeing that this is something. It must be common if I'm reading it in a book that a total stranger who doesn't know me feels that I do the same thing, then you consider working on it versus just getting upset with the person who wrote it. So are you still talking about these kind of things uh, in your stage acts? I know your stage acts a lot about you know you and, and your relationships and things you know and, and some you know growing up stuff too. But uh, do you do you still like to get to exercise that relationship muscle there more yeah. so now? Yeah, yeah, I do. But what I do is I, I, I internalize it now. I do more about myself. You know, it's more about me, my my, my family, my personal life. Uh, as far as the other things uh, like that are described in the book, I don't address. I don't address that many of those anymore. I just kind of look at it because I do a lot of things that I know are wrong. You know, I'm a dude, so when we do things that are wrong, we know they're wrong. We don't stop doing it. We just admit that we do it. <laughs> yeah. And we think that that's the cure. Like we you know, yeah, I said I did it, but then we just <laughs> do it again. That's kind of how I do. It. That's how I live. Now, well, you're from <laughs> Columbus, Ohio, originally. Is that correct? Absolutely. <clears throat> Absolutely. <clears throat> Born and, and raised. Born all right. And, uh, hey, by the way, what do you think of this new uh, the new hire there at uh, Ohio State, uh, Urban Meyer? You know what? I don't even know. I don't know much about the guy. And I actually don't. I don't follow as much of the Buckeyes as I should because I'm always gone. Yeah, you're think, on the road. Uh, there's been so many scandals with guys, like, ruining whole careers over a tattoo. Yeah. Like, you know, like 11 people got fired over, like, one tattoo. Like, that's, like, the dumbest season Ever won record for the Buckeyes. Like, I mean, I can see if you like fumbled on the one yard line in the bowl game, but when yeah, half yeah. your team, <clears throat> right? When half your team gets sent home over getting tattoos, that's just like that's stupidity at a level that you shouldn't have even been in college. <laughs> yeah. So that, that so that frustration with the Buckeyes was like, why am I following this? You know, it was like because you know, I honestly think I think you should pay athletes. I think college athletes pay them. Because they're not there to be, really be veterinarians anyway. Like, you know, the guy that's six foot nine that you recruited from the project, he really don't want to, you know, he don't want to neuter cats. That's not what he really wants to do. He no. wants to go to the NBA. So give him a stipend, let them play basketball. That way they don't have to pretend they're washing cars and taking money from boosters because you know they are. Right. Or whatever they're doing. So yeah, and then that and would then... cure the whole college football thing. Just give him a check. And then other kids that do need jobs could take the car washing jobs, you know? Exactly. There you go. I think we got this problem exactly. solved. Exactly. And they can fit in the car to actually clean the interior versus some six foot nine try, <laughs> guy trying to clean inside of a Hyundai. <laughs> it don't fit anyway. So. There you go. All right. Well, I think we've, we've solved one of uh, the NCAA's biggest problems already, Daryl. And we're only four minutes into the interview. Awesome. Um, yeah, that comes from cynicism. That's, that's, how yeah. I, that's how I come to my conclusions. I just tap, I just tap into my cynical side and go, this is how it should be done. <laughs> uh, right there with you, man. <laughs> so I uh, forget the, the tale. How did you uh, get into comedy? Was it always an interest of yours, or uh, was it a, th- a case where your friend said, oh, you're funny, you, got, you should try this? That's exactly what it was. That's exactly what it was. I was sitting at home. Uh, there was a comedy club that opened up here in my hometown, and they had this contest <laughs> called uh, Columbus's Funniest Five. And they took five comedians, and you got to do five minutes each before an actual professional comedy show. 
So like, you know, like if a comedy club, the show started at 8, at 7.30, they would have like the amateur thing. Oh, that's interesting. And then you, you know, five guys would go up and then after that started, the real show with the real three comedians would start. So that was, that way you were guaranteed a full audience yeah. when you were doing your amateur material versus having an amateur night like on the, you know, like some clubs are like Thursday to Sunday. Yeah, yeah. Then they'll open up on a Wednesday, yep. Wednesday and have an amateur night and like 11 people are in the audience. So, but the, so this guy was actually very smart where he, he just had us do a half hour of material before the actual main show. And those people were already seated. They already had their drinks. They were, they were excited about it because when you're in a room full of people and some amateurs are going up, you know, you, you, you kind of you appreciate it more than if you go to an amateur night and there's nine comedians and four people that paid. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. my best friend said to me one day, he goes, you know, you always say funny things, you know, in the car, around the house, or whatever. You should try to go win that money. It was like 50 bucks for the funniest five minutes. And I went and won. Uh, the first time I ever went, I won nine weeks in a row. Wow. And then, uh, and what it really was is I wasn't funny. I just had like a charisma that nobody could beat. So when I said things that weren't funny, they weren't structured right, there was no real punchline to it, I just said it so well. Like a lot of the famous comedians that are out now, I won't name names, some of them sure. aren't funny. They're just so charismatic that you forget that they're not really telling material. Right. So it was more of a cadence. So that, that, was, ni- that was 1999, I believe. 1999 or 2000. 1989. I took 10 years off my life. That's amazing. <laughs> Usually the penal system does that. What I, yeah. uh, it was 1989 <laughs> when I first started doing stand-up. Wow. So it's, that's pretty impressive then. Yeah, and now, you've, of course, you're doing both because uh, I would say one thing that people uh, probably take away from your show is that you have that uh, you are a person that not only says funny things, but you say them in a funny way, which is... Uh, you know, kind of a rare mix. I try. Because, you know, I think the key to stand-up is it's how you deliver it. Like, some guys, like, when I go to amateur nights, I hang out at amateur nights here in my hometown, and I, you know, I'll, 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 I'll sort of mentor the other comedians that are on their way up that I think are very funny. And sometimes they'll do material, and I'll see them, like, I'll see them do material, and it doesn't work, and then the next time I see them, I ask them about it, and then they say they scrapped the bit. And then I go, well, it's not that the bit isn't funny, it's how you're saying it, so... So then we'll sit down, we'll write the bit out, and I go, well, you know, the problem is move this line here, shorten that line, and take this line out. Yeah. Now go up and do it. And then it starts to work, and then they learn the science of actually writing a joke. Because you can make anything funny. It doesn't matter what it is. You can take an object, sit it on the table, and if you, you, know, you sit and write it out, like say you write out 12 lines of what you think this object is, and you just get rid of the lines that you don't need or are repetitive or too long, and then it starts to take shape. So... Uh, you know, I, I get a lot of joy out doing that, just basically showing guys the trick to actually taking anything and making it funny. That's how guys are able to, like, riff and improv in the moment while they're on stage. Diagramming jokes with the young comics. Pretty cool. Um, it's fun, actually. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's like totally. being a teacher. Yeah, yeah. Um, in fact, uh, I'm doing a, uh, one of those open mics uh, tomorrow night uh, here in Cincinnati. Not at the club you're at, the one you played last year at Go Bananas. So, okay. Yeah. Um, that's a good open mic, though. That's a very good one to go to. Yeah, it's, it's a bringer show, so you have to get. In fact, I've got to harass. <laughs> I've got to harass more people tonight to come out. I know I've got my my nieces coming and some other people, but. Um, uh, well, do you have a set list? Do you know what it is you want to talk about? Oh yeah, yeah. I've done feel it. funny. That's I, the thing. You got to feel funny when you're yeah, going. Yeah, I've done it before. I, in fact, I got my. I went to my master joke list and and, and pulled off the jokes I'm going to do, and uh, some new ones, some old ones that I've done before. So we'll, we'll see how it goes. They, the trick now is you know putting them together so they. It, it's somehow coherent. It's just a bunch of random jokes. Cause I like to avoid that. So, 
Well, you know what the trick is to make random jokes seem like they flow? It's to just immediately go into the next one. Okay. And just tag, you tag the two last sentences together like they actually make sense. Ah, okay. That's oh. really all it is. Like, some guys, they, like, they'll have two different jokes. Like, I might, he might be doing a joke about a banana, and then the next joke is about a car. Yeah. And then he'll stop completely and then start the new bit, and then you know it's two different bits. But if you're doing the bit about the banana, and you go, you can say something like, usually I don't eat yellow fruit because I got a yellow car, and then boom, you're into the yellow the car joke. Okay, cool. So you just, you just kind of transition the last two sentences together, and it never has to make sense. You just have to do it quickly so people don't know. Because right. people will pause and kind of look at you like, what the hell was that? Yeah, yeah. But by the time they figure it out, you're already at the punchline, and you're moving on. Cool. I'm definitely going to try that because, you know, I, every time I go up, I try to do something different and try to, you know, have one goal because you know, my first goal ever was to, you know, memorize the whole five minutes and <laughs> forget anything. And then, you know, the next time was to pause between, you know, because I found out people actually laughed at my jokes and you have to pause and let, you know, let people laugh yeah. and then go to the next joke. Yeah, yeah because that was the biggest here's, surprise. Here's the trick to be in a new stand-up. I don't like to say the word amateur because that kind of takes away from, oh, I like the, I you like, know, the yeah. effort that people put into it. So being a new stand-up, the trick to that is to, number one, don't fear silence. If you don't have anything to say, don't say anything. Ah, okay, yeah. that's that's. And two, if you, say you go to an open mic night and they say you get five minutes, right, and then you write down five bits that you want to do in that five minutes, if you pause and let the laughter roll, you might only have to do three yeah, of those bits. Yeah, that's true, yeah. But some guys, the new comics, want to get every single bit out. So they just talk, they just speed through it. Yeah. And they talk over the audience because they don't yep. want to leave a line out and they don't want to that's, miss the next joke because they think the next joke is the killer. Right, right. Well, that's, that's what I was doing. And, uh, and I, I, I planned it out last time so I would have like an extra bit if I had time. And I still spoke too fast even though I was trying not to and I ended up doing uh, all of the bits. But I, I, was, I had a position so I could call an audible. I could finish on the one joke or I could go on and add the other one. And so it, it seemed to work out pretty well. Yeah, and the key is you don't need a killer closer. Not in, in, in like in like a five or ten minute set, you don't need a killer closer. You just have to end confidently. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. But the last thing you say, you have to say it like you really mean it. Yeah, yeah. And then end the joke, like you know, because a lot of guys like they tell you to do five. This is what a lot of new comics do. You go to an amateur mic, they tell you to do five. There's six guys doing five minutes. Yep. They tell you to do five, and then you get to the five-minute point, and then you go, oh, I didn't do my closer, and then you try to do your closer nine yeah. or seven or eight. Yep. Now the club doesn't want to give you stage time because every right. time you go there, you hog the mic. Yeah. Yeah, that's so, it. So end it at five. Yeah. Just that last sentence, say it very confident, and just say, thank you very much, and walk out like that was meant to be your closer. There you go. And uh, to, to bookend that, uh, Frank Nicotero told me years ago to uh, start with uh, just a, a nice quick joke so people know you mean business. And uh, yeah, I think that, that complements that advice very well. Absolutely. The first thing out of your mouth has to establish who you are in your speech pattern. Yeah. So the first bit that you, like every single time you ever step on stage, the first joke you tell should be the exact same joke. The very first minute of your act the exact same joke. The other 44 minutes, I'll say whatever I want. But the first minute establishes who I am, how I speak, my yep. cadence. You know, if I'm cocky, if I'm brash, they know it right off the bat. Uh, does your mood a lot of guys try to start out nice and sweet and lovable and teddy bear, and then they get 10 minutes in and they get like real political or racial or, 
misogynistic and the crowd's like, ooh, what happened to him? You know? But, uh, <laughs> so if that's your act, start out like that. That being said, though, does your mood ever change? Like maybe, you know, uh, you had a particular maybe the maybe the early crowd on a Saturday wasn't good and you really want to you know uh, kill for the second I mean does the does the attitude of that first joke change are you able to you know uh, work it that way or do you sometimes you know start with maybe a different joke something has to happen that is that you have to address you know like something like that like if they're introducing you and you're walking towards the stage and then the waitress falls and spills all the drinks okay. as you're walking to the stage yeah. you have to address that yeah now as far as the first crowd at eight o'clock sucking and then the ten thirty crowd is a different crowd do the exact same opener because the first crowd probably just wasn't into anything anybody was going to say right so do the that one minute that i mean that's like a discipline my first three to four minutes of my act if you come see me every night, that first three to four minutes is the exact same three to four minutes. Then after that, I pick and choose what I want to say because they kind of sit back and go, oh, that's how he talks. Like, that's his yeah. speech pattern. That's how fast he's going to talk. This is how long he's going to pause. And then after that, I say whatever I want. And you got a lot to draw from, obviously. I can do two hours. I yeah. can go for two hours. Cool, man. Awesome, man. Well, uh, thanks for taking the time. Uh, the uh, the printed part of this, of course, will be in City Beat uh, the week that you were here in Cincinnati. And then we'll have All links right. on the Podbean site to your website for so people can check you out uh, around the country. And, uh, of course, the podcast should drop on Saturday night, hopefully, if all goes well. Okay. All right. Awesome. That sounds good. All right, Daryl. Well, good talking to you again, man. Hey, and hopefully I'll run into you when I'm down there. Okay, cool. Yeah, we'll try to make it out. Appreciate it, my all right, man. All, right, all the best to you. You too. Right, bye-bye. Bye-bye. Well, we got a little bit of time left here, uh, and we want to do a new feature. Uh, you know, I know a lot of you are on Facebook and Twitter and so forth. And uh, I don't know if you're like me, you occasionally get some things in your news feed that are, um, oh, I don't know, kind of interesting. And, uh, you know, these kind of urban legends and political stuff. And uh, so we're calling this feature. It's Facebook, not Factbook. And thank you, Lizzie, for doing that uh, little segment there. Um, so, you know, I got a lot of stuff in my news feed on Facebook from people that I am Facebook friends with. And, uh, I haven't gotten any lately, uh, but when I do get them, of course, I usually have to go and find the actual facts and, you know, then tell the person and then, you know, they usually don't have anything else to say after that. Um, but I didn't find anything recently, so I figured, well, where can I go to find some interesting stuff? And uh, conservative, just conservative, that always offers a lot of good stuff, but they're just kind of, it's been a bit boring lately. So I thought, how about Tea Party Patriots? So I'm on there. And I only scroll down like the second notice, and it says, is anyone surprised by this? And the little, there's a little clip of it from a, a link to a blog called Pun and Press, and it says, OWS website release official goal to stomp out capitalism. And I'm like, well, I know a lot of those people are upset, but I don't think it's to stomp out capitalism. So you go to the Pun and Press blog, and there is a posting here by someone named uh, Aurelist. Ar- it's hard to tell because there's a little squiggly over it in my browser, I can't tell. But anyway, you scroll down a little bit, and it, it says, you know, if you simply follow the link to OccupyWallStreet.org under About Us and Who We Are, it says, stomping out capitalism one uh, line of code at a time. 
and, but you can't click on his link to see that. But he does have a link up here that you can click to that takes you to the Who We Are uh, site on Occupy Wall Street. And uh, there's a lot of uh, text on that when you get there because what it is is it's the people telling you what Occupy Wall Street is. Then below that, people are allowed to comment. So I'm lazy. I didn't feel like reading through all that. So I hit a Control F and I just typed in Stomp. And nothing comes back at all. So... Uh, I went back to the uh, Tea Party Patriots uh, Facebook page, and I pointed out, I said, you know, if you actually go to the Occupy Wall Street Who Are We page, it doesn't say any such thing. Try it. I had given the link, and no need to dig. I explained what I did. You know, hit stomp, hit stomping, uh, and there were zero matches came back. But people after that still go on saying, oh, I'm not surprised, and they, they're stomping on capitalism. How can they do that? And then finally... Uh, some people show up after me and say, "Yeah, that's a bunch of that's a bunch of nonsense." And finally, a guy at the very end says that uh, explains, you know, what Wall Street did as far as uh, uh, you know, fraudulently uh, putting all those you know, derivatives together and all that stuff, and also accurately pointing out that Washington was asleep at the switch and didn't didn't do anything about it either. So once again, uh, Tea Party and Occupy Wall Street a lot closer than the Tea Party would like to admit. So. Um, then I remembered uh, a couple of years ago, there was this thing that turned up in my news feed on Facebook where uh, President Obama admitted that he was from uh, Kenya. And there was an, an audio clip linked to it, and it went a little something like this. Besides, I happen to know that my approval ratings are still very high in the country of my birth. Aha! Aha! He's not from here. He just said it. It was, it was caught on YouTube. And if you can't trust YouTube, well, then... Now I'm going to play the whole clip from the White House Correspondents' Dinner from 2010. Besides, I happen to know that my approval ratings are still very high in the country of my birth. <laughs> so... He gets a big laugh and applause. All right, so just, uh, you know, a couple little fun nuggets there. Uh, from Facebook, and, and just, you know, just a reminder, as always. It's Facebook, not Factbook. I think the best part of that bit is when Lizzie says it's Facebook, not Factbook. All right, well, um... Show uh, ran a little bit short this week, thankfully, because I'm always rushing through the end announcements here so I can take my time. Daryl Joyce will be at the Funny Bowen on the Levee uh, just south of Cincinnati, Ohio, indeed across the river, uh, Thursday, December 8th through Sunday, December 11th. And if you're listening to this um, anywhere but on Podbean, cruise over to pfradio.podbean.com, and then you can see the uh, page for this podcast, and I'll give you all the links to everything that was uh, on during the show today, all, every, everything you'll need, including Daryl Joyce. Uh, website and for the new part on the levy, and uh, you can find out where Daryl's going to be, be uh, um, after that in case uh, you're not in the Cincinnati area. Uh, Jim Lugers, who sometimes is on this program, will be at Crackers, North College Avenue Crackers in Indianapolis. There's two of them there. On December 20th for Christmas Disaster at Crackers. I will be at Mugby's December 6th. That is a Tuesday at 7.30 for PF Trivia Live. Please join us. That's at Mugby's uh, on Beachmont Avenue in Anderson Township. Uh, let me see. The logo was designed by Dan Cabell. Follow him at Tiger Dactyl on Twitter. Music for PF's tape recorder was composed by John Veropoulos with a little help from me. It was performed by John Veropoulos, Doug O'Connor, with a very tiny bit of help 
from me. Don't forget to like PF's Tape Recorder on Facebook. You can follow me on Twitter at PF66. Oh, and thanks to Gary Lucy of the Rock Solid Podcast. He had some very kind things to say on Facebook about PF's Tape Recorder. Do check out their show. It's from the folks who bring you Never Not Funny. It's Pat Francis uh, and Gary Lucy. They talk about the rock and roll, and it's it's very cool. You can just uh, look for it in iTunes, or if you just Google it, it'll pop right up uh, their site, and you can uh, listen to that as well. And that's about all I have. Uh, so long, and thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.